Hello, welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. Let's talk about art as inspiration. Today, we're sitting down with David Gerstein, the Israeli painter and sculptor who's known the world over for his vibrant three-dimensional artworks, huge public installations all over the globe. But let's get a little insight on how this all started for David. You were an artist as a child with your twin brother? Yeah, yeah. And you grew up where? Well, we were born in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem at the time was a very small city and no much a new building for young couples. So my parents moved to Ramat Gan. My parents bought a small house and that's where I grew up. And I stayed there until I went to the army. That's all my uh, memories from childhood is from uh, Ramat Gan. But I consider myself as Jerusalemite uh, because I was born there. So, Tell me about your parents and how growing up in Israel influenced your work today. Well, I guess every artist or writer is based on the experience he has in childhood and years of getting to know the world is very important in the life of an artist. When I started to do my art, I was, was based on my childhood memories and mostly because I was a narrative artist and I wanted to, I want to tell a story based on my memories of childhood I grew up with my twin brother who also had a great talent for art so we both competition I always consider painting or telling about my childhood as the best therapy memories like bicycle my mother used to ride bicycle and I remember as I think I was five years old and she was only 27 years old and I thought to myself how come this old lady is riding bicycle you know for me she was an old lady made me laugh now when I think of it but it's a memory that I remember and then I became a bicycle rider myself so it became a theme that started from this memory I did my mother riding bicycle and it developed into just women riding a bicycle my girlfriend at the time then she became my wife uh, ride bicycle so I made her riding bicycle it became like an icon of my works at the time, then men riding bicycles, then I moved into groups of cyclists. For many years, I used this subject. It was a, like a drive to do art, you know, because it contained a lot of the images that I wanted to deal with, concepts like movement, colors, expression, all these things that I wanted to do was connected into a theme. It wasn't just the, the story behind it. It was like a stage to do art solution, the way that a man is integrated with the machine and how we move by sitting on the bicycle as opposed to when you sit in a car and you just sitting there and the car moves here, you are part of the machine, like there's an extension of your legs into the bicycle. And I love this concept. You mentioned the balconies. Uh, yes. It's also my memories of the 50s when uh, my parents met their friends and, and I used to join my parents. Like these memories of the Thai 
type of people and the way they sit and talk. Balcony was part of the place where they used to sit. And I love the idea that they are sitting halfway between the street and the house. They were half hidden by the people that look at them from the street. So you can only see the heads or the upper part of the body. And I love the wall plaster that's falling apart. All this um, look of Israel at the time, you know, of the, in the 50s is something that I really loved and I wanted to record it. For me, it's an endless source of inspiration, you know, the doors, the light bulbs, everything is inspiration for me. 21, 22, uh, I went abroad and um, I started to, to get to know the classical art, you know, I went to the Louvre, I went to museums and modern art galleries. I was fascinated by what I saw and um, at that time it was kind of rare that uh, Israelis travel and go abroad. Youngsters after the army today, they all go abroad. It's like a must. You finish the army, you go abroad. But at my years, at my time, uh, in the 60s, I would say uh, the army, they went straight to university or to work or whatever. But today everyone goes abroad. At least it's like a must just to travel around the world. When I was young, it was rare. I was the only one from my age that went abroad. I remember myself uh, coming to um, to Paris and opened my eyes. I couldn't believe what I saw, you know, the buildings, the cars, the architecture, the people, the, the different language, you know. Everything was fascinating. And I spent a few years uh, building my uh, art world, my ability to compare myself to others and to see what I can do, what I like, like the foundation years of my art. First, it was Paris, which so much uh, read about when I was young, and then uh, New York, which was like the new world for me coming to New York. I was fascinated by what I saw. Did you ever think about staying in New York? Yes, I did. But the thing was that uh, New York was very difficult for me. Two years that I stayed there was very, very difficult because I didn't have any support for my parents. I had to support myself. And you didn't have any money. I came without a penny and I had to go to school and study and support myself. And how old were you? I was 24 when I came to New York. And uh, when I found a job, they paid me a dollar sixty an hour. That was the... I remember working five hours a day, making eight dollars wow. a day. And I had to eat with that to pay my rent and buy colors and, and brushes and whatever. Two years, that was very, very difficult. So when I finished my study, I said, well, I can keep on going like that, you know. It was too difficult because the cost of living in New York? Cost of living. Yeah. And I thought the opportunities are enormous in, in America and New York. And I would love to stay, but uh, I wasn't ready to suffer. I said, okay, when I made my studies, it's okay. You know, I can stand everything at the age of uh, 26, be penniless and to struggle. I didn't feel ready for that. So I went back to Israel and started to do my art. And I was very well accepted in Israel. You know, I started to sell my art. And this was drawings, your art at the time. I wanted to make big painting, but somehow I made preparation work in watercolor and it became very popular, like my watercolor. Dedicated most of my time at the two watercolors and it was sold well and I also got a job in the art school to teach. 
beach so my life became comfortable and uh, nice so I didn't feel like uh, going back to those uh, years that struggling in New York or open my but it sounds like it was but a decision for you to go back to Israel and have an maybe an easier life I knew that the life of an artist is not going to be easy but I wanted to see what I can do in Israel after so many years and you know I'll keep on doing my art here and then I met my girlfriend at the time and years later we got married so I established myself in Israel and I thought to myself I'll go back to New York when things will change you know when you had a little more money you were a struggling starving poor artist to live from $40 a week can you imagine paying rent it was very very I remember once I was dating somebody and after that she came to see me again so I asked my friend that made this introduction why is she not responding to me and so he told me she doesn't go out with somebody that take her out in the train because he went to buy the subway I think you're better off without her it's not your time in New York was difficult that must make your success now in your 70s all the sweeter you're a global figure in the art world it must feel good sure no I made a long way even in Israel it wasn't easy also when I started to do my art it wasn't the fashionable kind of thing that I did because uh, I wanted to stick to what I like and it wasn't in fashion to do narrative art everybody was keen about conceptual art and abstract art and all wasn't my style so I had to consider that either I stick to my belief or I go with the stream and I wanted to stick to what I like and what I believed and uh, finally I won the game because the world changed and people start to understand that what I do is relevant and in fashion and things change to the better it wasn't until I I was uh, 50 years old I started to become known around the world and so uh, so until you were 50 years old you weren't really making a lot of money I did my living many years I taught art so I had a stable salary but it was only to survive you see I had to have a house and to support my family and all that it was living it wasn't something that I can feel I can do anything I want later on and little by little I gain recognition you see you have to insist it's not enough the talent you know you have to insist on what you do 10 years after I started my art and I decided I should find my own language and I thought I should contribute something to the art world that wasn't there before and I started to look for a new way of expressing myself and uh, little by little I made my way into sculpture and as I said before I always like the in-between area so I found a way to do painting that extend the border of painting into sculpture and I did construction which was half painting half sculpture and my friend and my family that were used to my figurative painting was very unhappy about it and they say you're spending your time on who was around you at this point even my wife she she was surprised and she said I don't understand what you're doing and uh, also my friend said what do you do you know where are you going you're wasting your time 
my time and, and I felt wow but this is something I really like and I feel like doing it and I insisted on doing it sometimes I became doubt about what I do but after a while I decided no no this is the thing I want to do for eight years I struggled with the new things I did until finally somebody in the Israel Museum liked it very much and gave me a show and from that moment uh, things started to move ahead because uh, once you become recognized by a museum where people look at you differently. What's interesting about this, you were surrounded by people who were basically saying, David, you're wasting your time. And yet you ignored it and you were laser focused on achieving the things that satisfied you. Ignore all the white noise that passes through and yes. you just kept going. When young artists come to me today and they say, can you give us some tips of how to build our career? And, and I say, go your own way. Don't believe that to become successful you need public relation or just follow your heart do the things that you really really that move you you just do something that other people and if you want to be recognized you want to achieve something you should do something that really touch your heart and it will always win because even if you're not successful in the outward you are successful with yourself you know, that you feel this is what I really like I identify with what I do so that's I believe the only way to make it, you know, in, in the art world, but also to yourself. In, in life, it sounds like that's your personal philosophy, too. Yes. You don't go with the crowd. Yeah. You set a, an intention and then follow through. But finally, if you believe in yourself, the public follows you. They go with you. They will, will be convinced that what you do is the right thing. People like to follow somebody that has conviction. And you touch their heart also by doing what you believe and also your art is the best at the best you know when you do something that you like I would say 90% of the artists that I see they follow the trends you see they're not true to themselves that's why very few artists become successful when the trend change they stay in emptiness you yeah. see because uh, they cannot continue if it's not coming from the heart they just do what they think the market wants and fashion change fast so you made financial success with the metal pop of color metal works. Yeah, I would say That's wall sculptures. Wall sculptures say. that were metal based with bright automotive paint. That's how you made your financial success. Yeah. How did you decide on doing that? And, and what gave you the idea of going from the wood and watercolors uh, uh, to actually cutting out metal and painting it? Uh, when you live in Israel and you away from the art centers, it's very, very hard to make it in the international art world because uh, most galleries they want you to be next to them if you live in Paris or New York or London you are close to the center but deciding to live in Israel make you more provincial because you are not close to the center and the, the collectors or the museum or whatever don't see what you do you needed to become, get noticed yes to become noticed you have to be in the world and what happened that uh, I made multiples is that I can spread my work many places around the world. At the same time, the production was much bigger. So I can show in China, I can show in New York, Europe at the same time, and I can make exhibition in different places. So the idea of making uh, multiples uh, made me getting to many more places in the world. So I was noticed by a lot of uh, people.
world, of the art world. And that's made the whole thing different because if you... You stood out from the crowd. Also, what I did was different, didn't exist in the world. To make it seen was another thing. And by participating in a different exhibition around the world, got me audience that I didn't have before. Multiple opened the way to become international. And also following by that, uh, I started to receive commission of outdoor sculptures, mm -hmm. which also become icon in different places and people start to notice me. And the uh, age of internet and they started to spread the work through the net. It also being presented in galleries in the art world outside of Israel helped a lot by making the multiple. All this together made it different than what I experienced before. You know, at the beginning I had to ask galleries to give me a show or to then later on the galleries started to ask me. Why you decided to make these large sculptures into smaller kind of bite-sized pieces for the everyday consumer? Ah, okay. Some years after I started to do the multiples and they started to get high prices, a lot of people that like my art say, wow, we love it. Don't you have something small that we can have in the house or, or around us? And then I thought, why not? Henry Ford said, a car for every worker, right? Why not an art for everyone? So I started to do these small works that give the feeling of the big ones, but they are on a small scale. Mm -hmm. And people can buy them like they buy a bottle of wine and without any efforts. Maybe they wouldn't be signed. Uh, they will be unlimited, but available. So that was my idea. And I started to do these small things and it caught like a fire in the forest. You see, people mm -hmm. love the idea. And um, I must say the galleries didn't like it because they said... You're showing your wares. We're trying to sell big ticket exactly, items. Exactly. And you're giving it away for $90 or But something. But I thought there's a place for everything, you know. There's a place for large-scale art, regional art. You know, the world is open and the artists have to show the way for the dealers and all that. And people will follow us. So although the galleries didn't like the idea, I thought it's a good one. And, uh, and I must say that these were my ambassadors to the world also because uh, people took them all over the world to different places. They could pack them in their suitcase. Exactly. Yes. And they say, who is this artist? They Google me and became interested and also collectors, galleries, a lot of people started to discover me by these uh, small ambassadors. In addition to a brilliant artist, you're a master marketeer. You see things that people don't. When I was young and I was penniless, I wasn't able to do what I want. But later on, when I was a little more established, I could do anything I wanted. I said, what I feel like doing, I will do. And nobody will stop me, you see. I will go against the streets. Even when I started and my art wasn't very popular, I insisted on doing what I want. And all my life, I it was my way of doing things, you know. What I feel is, is the right thing, I will do it no matter what. That's the way you've lived your life from the early days. Yeah, and now I must tell you, I'm known and I'm doing a lot of works around the world in this multi-layered artwork. I feel like going back to when I started to do my figurative painting because I feel now that I left something behind that I didn't finish. At my age now, I continue my sculpture and my exhibition, but in my studio, I dedicate a lot of time to continue what I left behind 40 years ago with my painting. So 
I'm doing a lot of painting now that's not being shown yet. What do you think is missing? In sculpture, or the way I develop my sculpture, there is a kind of limitation that don't exist when you do painting. Painting has no limitation. You can do any idea, anything. And when I do sculpture, I have to stand before the limitation. So I feel like this uh, spontaneous work that uh, you stand before an empty canvas and you create something uh, within a few hours that doesn't exist in sculpture. Sculpture, you have to plan it before. It's almost like architecture. You have to plan it and you have to use a factory to help you produce it and all that. 77? Six. 76. Sorry. You're in a race to keep sharing what's left inside. What What's yes, left? Well, I tell you, when you're in your 70s and you feel you can see the limitation of age and you say, well, I, I didn't say yet everything I wanted. I feel like I want to say things before its end, you know, before I became senile. So I have the urge, you know, to, to do more and more. I mean, I still doing the large scale sculptures around the world, but I want to leave behind more things that feel that haven't been completed. What inspires you? It's very hard to point at one thing that inspires creation. Life is a source of inspiration. And if you ask yourself, is art completed itself? I mean, there's a place for art in the world. Yes, it's endless. You know, the ideas, the inspiration is endless. Somebody asked you, how long did it take to make this metal sculpture? And your reply was 40 years. It's true. Time is so limited. Thank you for joining us this week on Finding Inspiration. Hey, I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.